Ghoul Day, my vamps and ghouls. Thank you so much for coming on over, making Paranormal Prowlers Podcast part of your spectacular day. I'm your host, Tessa Morrow, and those tunes, of course, are courtesy of the generous Bobby Mackey. And just an FYI, I have my kitty cat in the room with me, so if you hear a little meow or a sniffle, <laughs> it certainly isn't me. Niagara Falls. And yes, that's actual sound that I recorded while I was there in Niagara Falls a few years back. And you'll hear that throughout the show. It's a gorgeous area. You're in the United States looking over at Canada and vice versa. A few years ago, my mom and I went there and I was a first timer, but she was born and raised in Rochester, New York. She knows all about the falls and she's been there several times. When I went, I was amazed at its beauty, the roaring waters, vigorously passing by. We went in the summer, flowers were blooming, the grass was super green, and that water was just this gorgeous, phenomenal blue. As we walked to get there from our car, I was amazed at just how many people were there as they travel from all over the world to see this amazing place. While many come here to see the raw beauty, the falls that shares waters with America and Canada, taking pictures, get to say you came here, tell mom and dad all about it, some come with a more sinister reason. For it is here at Niagara Falls State Park that some will come and they will never leave. Every year people come here to commit suicide, between 20 to 40 people, while others come for a visit and a freak accident happens and they never make it out. And then of course we have the stunt people and the daredevils. You guys, you may want to get into some waterproof stuff, no poncho or raincoat. That will not help. We are about to dive deep into the history, the deaths, the stunts, the haunts of Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls was founded in 1885 and is the country's longest running state park, over a whopping 400 acres. Millions come here or from around the globe to visit every single year. I would say probably around 9 million. And when I went that one time, it does not shock me in the least. At times, I felt like a sardine. There were so many people crammed together. Niagara Falls contains three large waterfalls. It stretches out from the province of Ontario, Canada, and into the States, that being New York. The three falls... Two are in New York, that being Bridal Veil Falls and American Falls. Those are large, but not quite as large as the largest of them, and probably the most dangerous of them, that being Horseshoe Falls. You'll hear more about that butte later on when I talk about the deaths and the stunts. Little islands actually separate the falls from one another. Luna Island separates Bridal Veil Falls from American Falls, and Goat Island separates them from Horseshoe Falls. Bridal Veil Falls is the smallest of them. American gets a little bit bigger, but Horseshoe Falls, well, that's, you know, that's the granddaddy of them. Mm -hmm. One eerie fact is 
since 1850, over 5,000 bodies have been found at the base of the falls. That's a lot. 5,000? Over 5,000. While Horseshoe Falls may be the largest and the most famous when it comes to barreling down the falls, it is the American Falls that is probably the most self-destructive. In 1969, a massive dewatering project was conducted by the Army Corps of Engineers. The water was diverted to the other falls. This was to access the erosion that was taking place. What can they do to change this, you know? While doing so, they found millions of coins, ka-ching, Give me my money. and two bodies. On June 13th in 1969, and yes, I did check, and guess what, you guys? It was Friday the 13th. The Vancouver Sun printed this article detailing the event. Quote, The bodies of an unidentified man and woman have been found here in a grisly beginning to a major engineering feat that has all but halted the flow of the Niagara River over the American Falls. Police said today the decomposing body of a woman was discovered Wednesday while they searched for the man, who was seen leaping over the precipice. His body was found Thursday. The body was shunted to the channel, flowing over the Horseshoe Falls so engineers can study the face of the American Falls in an attempt to halt erosion. You know, so what's shocking to me is that more bodies weren't found. Here's a place that has thousands of deaths linked to it, and it seems that you'd think the rare time it's actually reverted to the other falls that you get a look behind the veil, per se, and there would be more people found. Don't get me wrong, two bodies are too, too many, obviously, and that's heartbreaking, but I was just shocked to see that there wasn't more of them, and I'm glad there wasn't more. One unique fact about Niagara Falls is this. Picture it. The year is 1808. The setting? New Orleans. The man takes his new wife's hand and gently helps her into their stagecoach. The newlyweds are full of joy and pure happiness. They will take the 1,258-mile journey. In their stagecoach, from the Cajun city that is New Orleans to the wonderful falls that is Niagara Falls. In a regular car, that's over 18 hours. In a stagecoach, I caramba. Much longer, I'd imagine. It's a long trip ahead of them, but they are excited as it's the beginning of their new life together. And of course, whew, the honeymoon. Forget about it, right? The couple... Napoleon's brother, Jerome, and his bride. Now, since the 1820s, adventurous daredevils, stunt folk, and adrenaline junkies have been busy making contraptions to make this dangerous and at times deadly jump. But if you plan on doing it these days, Access denied. you better think twice, my friends. As of 1951, it became illegal to jump over the falls as a stunt, and it is subject to fines up to 25,000 big ones. <laughs> Don't do it. Before people flew off the falls in their barrels, centuries ago, 
there was a different type of stunt that daredevils felt compelled to do. And like moths to a flame, they came to the falls to tightrope from one side to the other. The first known tightrope stunt starts in 1859 with Jean-Francois Gravelet Blondin. He was also known as the Great Blondin. This impressive first time of a stunt attracted a whopping 25,000 people, which, remember, now the finest $25,000. Forget the circus, let's see this dude walk over the falls. Jean Francois would walk the rope several times as he wanted to make it more interesting, more challenging, and, of course, more dangerous. One time he pushed a wheelbarrow, while another time he rode a bike. At one point, he had his legs and hands bound up in chains. This made each trip across the gorgeous falls that America and Canada share totally different. Probably the most impressive stunt of Jean's was when he had his manager on his back. Yes, and that was my cat buttercup. Thank you, my girl, for chiming in. And walking across carrying the fellow. <laughs> Psst, now might be a good time to ask about that raise, huh? <laughs> now fast forward to 1867. Eight years after Jean Francois walked the tightrope, a 23-year-old Italian butte named Maria Spatharina puts her name in the history books as she becomes the only woman to go over the beautiful but deadly Niagara Falls via tightrope. And like Jean, she also ups the ante. She performs her stunt while wearing woven baskets on her feet, and her head is covered with a paper bag. And 20 years later, in 1887, after the feisty Maria walked the rope with her baskets, a man named Stephen Peer who himself has done the stunt many a times, he will walk it for the last time. Like Maria, Stephen makes history too, but not like he hoped. The Ontario man's body is discovered. It is believed that Pierre tried to do a nighttime crossing. Now, he's never attempted this before, and he's done this several times during the day with no incident whatsoever. But trying to do this at night proves to be a fatal mistake. Stephen Pierre is the only recorded Niagara Falls tightrope death. And in 1890, just a few short years later, after Pierre's death, a man named Samuel Dixon walks over the falls using the same tightrope that Stephen Pierre did when he died. And like Jean Francois, and Stephen Peer, he will cross the falls via tightrope successfully several times, doing many stunts while performing. And on October 12, 1892, a Toronto man named Clifford Clavery set a record for himself when he crossed the falls. This record would be for the shortest amount of time, 6 minutes and 33 and a half seconds. Then, in 1896, James Hardy performs the stunt, and this will be the last time anyone does this for more than 115 years. The year is 1901. It's the 24th day of October. The woman, she stands there. 
She's waited so long to do this. People have tightrope walked over the falls, but has anyone ever gone over in a barrel? The school teacher, she smiles. This was going to happen. She would make a name for herself, maybe even make some money to help herself out, provide for her family. She's newly widowed and she's on hard times. She takes a deep breath and carefully gets into her custom-made barrel. Here we go. Annie Edson Taylor, known as the Queen of the Mist. There would be several times that she would try to go over the falls, that is Niagara, but something always stopped her, usually due to the fact that either no one would be around to witness her achieve such a brave, impressive accomplishment and what have you. Two days earlier, a domestic cat, and while my cat Buttercup has left the room, my sister has one of her meows on her phone, so here we go. Thank you, Casey. The cat was sent down Horseshoe Falls in Annie's barrel, which was made specifically to go down the falls. It was made out of oak and iron, and it was cushioned with a mattress inside. The cat and the barrel, they do survive. When Annie found it, it was bleeding a little on its head. They took pictures together, and two days later, she went down the falls herself. Annie's barrel named Queen of the Mist, survived both the falls. It was such a harrowing experience that the school teacher turned daredevil suggested no one ought ever do that again. Annie Etson Taylor is the first recorded person to intentionally go over Niagara Falls and live to tell about it. She knew the dangers of it. She experienced it. She told people, don't do it. But her pleas and warnings fell upon deaf ears, and while many would survive the fall, just like the Queen of the Mist, there are several who would sadly perish. And after her barrel stunt, she would be a Niagara Street vendor for 20 years and basically die penniless, a sad ending for such a brave woman. Ten years after Annie made history going down the falls, a stuntman named Bobby Leach would become the second person he was a performer for Barnum and Bailey Circus. He would often boast to anyone that would listen, saying, Anything Annie could do, I could do better. I would have to disagree, as Annie had very minor injuries, if any. And Bobby Leach, well, he would spend the next six months in the hospital after going down the falls, nursing two broken kneecaps and a fractured jaw. <laughs> Major ouch. That didn't stop the stuntman, though. He got his first taste of Niagara Falls, and he, well, he wanted more. He wanted to go over in a barrel this time. He wanted to swim through the Whirlpool Rapids. Leach would try this several times, and he failed every single time. But gotta give him credit for trying. Every time he did this, he was rescued by a local hero, a skilled riverman named William Hill Jr., lovingly known by the locals as Red. He is an impressive dude, and I want to talk a little more about him in just a moment. Like, seriously, this guy could have a movie based on him. Seriously. So back to Bobby Leach, the man who went over the falls and tried the Whirlpool Rapids and many other stunts in his life. What finally did him in? Bobby, he's in New Zealand. He sadly trips over 
an orange peel. His leg becomes infected, turns gangrene. They amputate his leg, and he dies two months later. Very, very sad way to go indeed. Now, more about this local hero, that being William Red Hill Sr. He was a man of many traits. He was a daredevil, performing many stunts in his short 54-year life. The Canadian man was a local hero. During the horrific ice bridge collapse, four people found themselves vulnerable and in danger on the ice. That was quickly cracking. While three of the people tried to make it to the American Falls side, which proved to be a fatal mistake, he was able to save one person who decided to accept his offer and help. The other three were sadly swept away to their deaths and their bodies were never recovered. He has received medals for his bravery during his service in France during the First World War. Red also got a medal at age eight when he saved his little sister from his family's burning home. Eight years old, going back in there. Oh my God, it's just like, that to me is amazing. He is credited for saving 28 people from Niagara Falls and the recovery of a whopping 177 bodies, both suicide and accident victims. Now, that is straight up impressive and a hero status if you ask me. Red was a skilled rescuer. He even invented a grappling device that he would use to recover bodies without putting himself into further danger. Don't get me wrong, this was still very dangerous what he was doing, but this contraption just kind of helped him out a bit. It would recover the victims in the river without getting stuck on the river bottom. In 1951, an article was released regarding this special tool, and I'll just read one little snippet of it. It was so effective that inquiries were received about it from places as far away as Kansas. His son, William Hill Jr., would become a daredevil, just like his father, and would successfully go down the falls in a barrel several times. Several times, but the last one would be his downfall, his demise. This barrel, and try to picture this, was 13 large inflated inner tubes held together by canvas webbing and encased by heavy fish netting. He referred to it as the thing. Well, I would call it the death trap or the death barrel. The thing drops 167 feet and shatters and breaks apart due to the water pressure. Junior's battered body is found the following morning at the Maid of the Mist landing. While Junior died due to the fatal fall, his father, who besides being a local hero and a daredevil, was also a bootlegger during the Prohibition, Seriously, a movie in the works. Red Sr. died due to the effects of gassing that he sustained during World War I. Both are impressive men and are a huge piece of Niagara Falls history. Many would perform stunts and survive barreling vigorously over the falls, often horseshoe falls. This is the one that is mostly on the Canadian side, I would say like 90%, but a small part, tiny, pikaka is on the American side as well. And I'll just share about a handful of those events. In 1928, a daredevil named Jean Lucier went over Horseshoe Falls on 4th of July. He had built a six-foot rubber ball lined carefully with oxygen tubes. It was damaged during the impact, but thankfully Jean suffered minor bruising. 
and lives to share his latest stunt. Well, let's fast forward, if we will, 33 years. In 1961, Nathan Boya was digging the rubber ball idea, as he too goes down horseshoe falls in it. He names it Plungosphere. <laughs> kind of cute. While it does hit rocks upon impact, miraculously, Nathan comes out completely uninjured. It's pretty awesome. 23 years later, in 1984, enter Czech professional stuntman Karl Sukek. The stuntman researched the others who had gone over prior to him what they did wrong what they did right what to do what not to do what to avoid well carl eventually puts several barrels together he paints it bright red it's a whopping nine feet long five feet in diameter painted on the side are the words last of the niagara daredevils 1984 it's not whether you fell or triumph. It's that you at least keep your word and at least try. July 2nd of 1984, the Czech stuntman performs the stunt. He emerges, but it is in a weakened state, and he's badly bleeding. Adding to insult, and quite literally, because, you know, besides the injuries his body endured, he slapped with a fine of $500. Now, remember, this was back in 1984. That $500 today is worth $1,265.71, give or take a few cents. Ouch! For the stunt itself, his custom-made barrel cost several thousands of dollars. I mean, it was quite a pricey stunt. Fast forward several months later, it's January 19th, the following year, 1984. He is in Houston at the Astrodome. He's performing a stunt when he becomes severely injured. Evil Knievel is there and even warned his fellow daredevil, don't do it. He was quoted saying, this is the most dangerous I've ever seen. Okay, like mine, your attention must be piqued. What's the most dangerous that Evil Knievel has seen? Well, Carl Sukek was enclosed in his barrel. He's raised almost 200 feet in the air while he was supposed to land in the center of a tank filled with water. It sadly was not to be. The barrel's released too early, and instead of hitting its target, that being the water, it hits the rim of the water tank. While he had foam pads to brace him for impact, the damage was horrific. While he was alive when they opened his barrel, he would die while the show was still going on. If only he listened to his friend, Evil Knievel. Carl Sukek is buried in Canada at Drummond Hill Cemetery. Other daredevils and stuntmen who died performing stunts, including going over the falls, would land up here as well. And little over a year later, after the Czech stuntman went over, in 1985, a stuntman named Steve goes over. His story is an interesting one. He's actually still alive, and I tracked him down on good old social media. I asked if he'd like to be on this episode. Before you get your hopes up, he didn't even respond. Mm-mm-mm. But I always like to mention things like that because I like to let you guys know that at least I tried. I'm always trying to find people to be on. And when I'm doing an episode on something like this, and if I find somebody who experienced it and lived to tell about it, I have to at least try, right? So Steve, who, since he's still around, I won't use his last name, even though you can easily find it 
On August 16, 1985, the young man is stopped by police and is escorted by the Canadian authorities, along with his barrel, back to the United States side and released. No Mounties will stop him, however, because two days later he takes the plunge and survives the fall uninjured. He becomes the youngest to ever survive the deadly fall, 22 years old at the time. And another one for the books. At the time, he was the first American in over 25 years to go over the falls. Kind of neat. That's why I really wanted him on. His barrel consisted of two pickle barrels placed end to end. The exterior was reinforced with layers upon layers of balsa tree, fiberglass. This was for floating and it was covered with truck tire inner tubes for the shock absorption. His words after the stunt, like the best roller coaster ride you had as a 10-year-old. And just like the late Karl Sukek, he was fined 500 big ones. Well, fast forward 10 years later in 1995, Steve would perform the stunt yet again, becoming the second person to survive doing the stunt twice. This stunt, he would have a friend take the plunge with him. The barrel had a 90-minute air supply. The consequences due to his actions were much higher than 10 years ago. $500 now seemed like a little tiny slap on the wrist. He would spend two weeks in jail and was fined $14,700 by the Niagara Parks Commission. $14,790.95 is worth $25,369.46 today. They don't take kindly to repeated offenders. Again, just don't do it, folks. While some perform stunts over the falls, some come here as a last resort, an attempt to suicide. In 2009, an unidentified Canadian man survives after intentionally jumping over horseshoe falls. His clothing is ripped off, lacerations on his head, and he experiences cold shock, which turns into hypothermia. While injured, he survives the suicide attempt. A few years later, in 2012, another unidentified man tries taking his life by jumping into the falls. Like the man before him, it's over the beautiful but deadly and unforgiving Horseshoe Falls. Witnesses reported to see the man deliberately jump into the Niagara River. They watched him climb over the railing, and off he went. Too fast to try to stop him, he too would survive this fall, but not unscathed. He suffered a collapsed lung, lacerations, and broken ribs. And just a few short years ago, in 2019, authorities are receiving several calls for help. When help arrives, they see a distressed man climbing a wall and hurling himself into the dangerous falls, like the ones before him, Horseshoe Falls. Later on, they would find the man sitting on the rocks at the water's edge. My heart truly goes out to these three unidentified men. I hope this second chance of life is more promising for them, and I pray they are now happy and still around. Well, all these folks I just mentioned, stunt people, daredevils, and suicide attempts, survive the falls that are Niagara? Many have not. And... You will have to check out next week's episode as it's part two into Niagara Falls, where we will talk stunts gone wrong, death, and haunts. You definitely don't want to miss out on this. Have you ever been to the state park? 
and have an experience you'd like to share, I would love to hear all about it. Throw an email my way at paranormal.prowlers.podcast at gmail.com or you can find me via Twitter at Paraprowlers and Paranormal Prowlers on Facebook. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes! Listen to the others, you guys. They are equally awesome. Haven't heard every single one yet. No need to cry, my friends. You can binge listen as we speak. You can binge listen right now by going to any of the podcast platforms such as Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, Deezer, Podchaser, Radio Public. Basically, wherever you may roam to listen to your other spooktastic podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcasts lurking in the background. This week's special city shoutouts go to Pueblo West, Colorado. Market Harborough, England, Kalamazoo, Michigan, Sitka, Alaska, and Camdenton, Missouri. Thank you so much for making me part of your day. It's truly appreciated. The podcast two-year anniversary passed us up recently, April 9th. It's been a fun journey, and I have so much more spooky episodes for you, so keep on coming. And be sure to check out next week says it's part two in the Niagara Falls. See you next week.